Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, and stand with me as you turn. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. I'm going to read through verse 10, and why don't we read these uh, verses? Well, how about I'll read verse 8, and you read verse 9 and 10 with me. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Read verse 10 aloud with me again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for the scripture we have in our hand tonight. I, Lord, it's a timeless book. It's a book that was just as relevant as Paul had it and wrote it, and you used him to do so as it is today. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of its truths. I think of this one, that I may know him. Lord, that we would leave here with just a heart cry of more of Jesus, more of Jesus. I pray that you'd speak to our heart and use me tonight. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. More of Jesus is the title of the, the message. I Anybody ever have something you just want more of, all right? When I got married, shortly after my wife and I got married, I was an associate pastor there in Terre Haute, Indiana, and she, on staff there at Bible Baptist Church. She was a teacher there. She taught uh, science, biology, and taught science in the school. And uh, one day she came into, into the, the church, and she had a plate of chocolate chip cookies. I mean, this massive plate of chocolate chip cookies. And uh, really, uh, yeah, she brought it in. She brought it in my office and had some cookies there. And I thought, now this is wonderful married life right here. All right. I love those chocolate chip cookies. She brought me two of them, put them there, and I ate them. And then they were awesome. And then she left. And uh, I went back later, and I was looking for those chocolate chip cookies. And the plate was empty. All right. The plate was empty. And she had passed them out all over school, all right? And I, her wonderful husband, got two, all right? I know you have no sympathy, right? And two. I thought, well, maybe she has more at home. Nope, no more at home, all right? They were all gone, just two cookies. And two cookies is just enough to get you started, all right? It's just enough to get you started. And I thought, I need, I need some more, more chocolate chip cookies. Now that's changed, all right? I get too many cookies, as you can tell. All right. But, uh, but you, you just, I would get one of those. She still makes them and, I, and I'll get one of those and I want another one and I want another one and I want another one until sooner or later. I'm just like, oh, maybe I just shouldn't eat another one. All right. There are certain things though we want more of, more of, more of. And I think this one though, when it comes down to the Lord Jesus Christ, this ought to be the heart's desire of every Christian alive. I think of the story, I think of just texting back and forth with Miss Julie Alexander there in, in Ghana, and I, and I read the story and, and think about what happened to some missionary, and think of the young lady that was taken advantage of there as someone, I don't know whether he had led her to the Lord or someone in the ministry had, and she came under what was supposedly his, his spiritual leadership, and yet he took advantage of her. And they went into sin, and then as, as that took place, and the, the, just the attempt to take her life, how horrible is that? How horrible is that? And I think this, give us more of Jesus, more of Jesus. 
whether it's the awful things of, of life that we see, that probably all of us know stories of those that were expected to lead, and, but they took advantage and, and used those things, and human nature and sin took in, and probably even Satan himself had his own little work. But obviously, when we look to the Lord, we look at someone who never fails. And God does not tell us to look to men, does he? said to looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God calls us to follow men as far as they follow God. God gives us spiritual leaders, but the reality is we only follow them as far as they follow God. In this passage of Scripture, you see Paul's heart, his heart. He said this statement, that I may know him. He said, I just want to know him. I want to, it's not that he didn't know him, because if you look at verse 8 or verse 9, look at what he says here. And he says, and being found in him, being found in him. I think of what he would write in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses of sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He would describe who he was without Christ. Dead in trespasses of sin. We know the life of Paul. Paul was lost like every other man, but he didn't know that he was lost, did he? Matter of fact, he thought he was doing God a favor as he threw Christians in jail. As he would hold the coats of those who would stone Stephen, as he would imprison men and women for their faith and deliver them even up unto death and testify against them. And he thought he was doing God a favor, and yet he was lost. He was dead in trespasses of sin. He was without Christ. He was on his way to a devil's hell. He would write these words in the same chapter in Ephesians, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He says here in verse 9, and being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He said, but I have been found. <laughs> May of 1995 at Madera Baptist Church, I was found. I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. Paul would write back and he said, but I have been found in him. My position in Christ is settled. I was lost and I was without Christ and I was on my way to hell and I deserved hell. And, and he would even write earlier in this chapter that all of his earthly accomplishments, he counted them but as dung because they were worth nothing. He said, but I have been found in him. And he said, not in my own righteousness. He would say in that verse, he said, he said not in my own, not of, not of mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He would say in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He knew where his righteousness was. His life had been changed. And it wasn't who he was, it was who Christ was. It wasn't what he had done, it was what God had done. And he marveled at that fact. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23, he would call the church at Colossae to not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Don't be moved away from what God has done for you at salvation. You ever take time just to marvel at what God has done for you? 
I think, Christian, I think we should never lose the marvel of our salvation. We should never lose sight of what God has done for us and never lose sight of what it was to be without him and now to be found in him, to know him as our Savior, to know him as our Lord. And I think of that day in May of 1995 when I came to know Christ, and I've said it before, and I'll say it many more times, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. The hymn we sing, what a joy it is to be saved. What a joy it is to know Christ. What a joy it is to know that I was lost and on my way to a devil's hell without Christ, and yet he loved me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to rise again three days later that I might be saved. And not that I might just be saved, but that I might know him. That I might know him. This is life eternal in John chapter 17 and verse 3, that we might know him and his father, that we could have a personal relationship with God. That relationship broken in the garden when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, restored at Calvary. It was broken by the fruit of a tree, and it was restored by the fruit of a tree. What Jesus did for us on Calvary. And Paul is marveling at this. And look at, look at the result of what being found in Christ produced in him. He said, that I may know him. He wasn't saying, I don't know him and I want to know him. He was saying, I want to know more of him. More of him. I think of what this means, this more of Jesus. It means to know more about him. That's the first statement, that I may know him. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John 5.39, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. John 8, 31 through 32, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, what is the truth? Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What is he saying? He's saying that I may know him better each and every day of my life. There is the call of the Lord since the day of salvation that we might know more of him. You know, we ought to desire. I think growing to know God is what changes a man's life. Knowing more about him, more about him, more about him, more of his love. In Ephesians, he would talk about the height and the breadth and the depth and the length of the love of God, that we might know it. Know how much he loves us. Know of his nature, of his holiness, of his, of his character, of his attributes. We serve a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing and who is eternal. And to know more and more each day of God. And there is no one more worthy of our attention than God. To know more of him. I, I would challenge you this, Christian. We should know more about God tomorrow than we do today. We should know more and more. Paul was saying here, probably if you could put down the most accomplished of Christians when it came to the knowledge of God, said here, I want to know him more. More of Jesus. More of Jesus. Where do I know him from? The scriptures. Search the scripture, he would say. Search the scriptures, for in them that ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. 
Why we've looked at this in Sunday school. I've mentioned it before, but you can look out at creation and you can see that there is God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament declares, and you can look up into heaven. At one time, folks thought they could number the stars. Two different men, if you go far enough back, thought they had it down to a thousand and some stars. Yet we know today that the stars are innumerable. The expanse is, is, is unknowable for us. And yet the Lord would speak of the Lord just how infinite he is. And God said that he can measure the heavens in a span. Look to the star and you will get just a glimpse of how big your God is. Just a glimpse. Look to creation and you will see that he exists. Look to history and you'll see that he exists. Look to your heart and there'll be a cry that there is a God. But look to his word and you will see his name. You will see his person. You will see who he is. And what he has done, and it is in his word that we learn more of him. More of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. Paul said that I may know him, not only more, of Je- nor more about him, but more of him. He would say that I may know him, that's more about him. And then he says this, and the power of his resurrection. He said more of him in my life. Galatians 2.20, Paul would say this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It wasn't just more about him, but it was more of him in his life. And in Galatians 5.16 and 17, he'd say, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are, are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. More of him. I will tell you this, the more about him you strive to learn, the more of him you'll experience in your life. The more about him you learn, the more of him you will experience in your life. It is through a not growing in our knowledge of him that we experience his working in our life. As we say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to know what you have done. I want to know your character. I want to know your love. I want to know you. And as we know him, that we begin to experience more of him at work in our life, that we could say, I am crucified with Christ and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know about you, but I need God to work in my life. I want to know about him, but I need him at work in my life. I think every parent should give testimony to this fact. I need God at work in my home. I need more than Seth Hahn at work in my home. I need God at work in my home. I need God at work in my marriage. We need God at work in our church. We need God at work in our personal life. And Paul was saying this, not only that I might know him, but that I might know the power of his resurrection, that power that brought him out of the tomb. I want that power at work in my life. No, the grave could not hold him. Sin couldn't hold him. He rose again, and he said, I want that type of power at work in my life. Christian, the call is not only that we would know more about him, but we would know more of him in our life. That we would gain the victory that only Christ can bring to the Christian life. 
that we would know what it is to see God stir and work, to see, to see, as Paul would say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, he's saying it wasn't but by Paul, I am what I am. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He said, I want to know more about him. And as a result of knowing more about him, I want to know more of him at work in my life. Ever come up against one of those things and you know, dear Lord, you are going to have to work. You are going to have to do it. What's sad is sometimes it requires circumstance to make us realize that fact. More of him. Mama, you need more of him. Dad, you need more of him. Kids, you need more of him. Teachers, you need more of him. We need more of him. Sunday school teachers, you need more of him. Soul winners, you need more of him. Bus workers, you need more of him. Regardless of your place of service, your vocation, you need not only to know more about him, but you need more of him at work in your life. I think of when I read that story and when I hear that story of what happened, I don't know the man, the missionary that did those horrible things. And I sometimes wonder when I read those stories whether someone really knew the Lord, and, but that's between them and their God. But I will say this, what was absent in that situation was the working of God in that man's life. At some point, he turned from him. At some point, he quit relying on him. At some point, he thought he could do it on his own. I remember I worked in, I was an RU director for a time there in Marion, Indiana, and I went to the national meeting there, and it was for uh, folks that had caught up in addictions, and there was a pastor there at, that had gone through the, he was formerly a pastor, he had gone through the addictions program, he had gotten addictions and he would fallen, and he had a testimony, he was a fairly well-known pastor at one time, pastored a fairly large church, so about 500 people or so, and he fell into horrible sin, lost his family, fell into addiction, and he gave this testimony, he said, you know, Here's what happened to me. At some point, I thought I could do it. He said, at some point, I thought I was familiar enough with preparing the messages. At some point, I thought I had enough knowledge to lead God's people. At some point, I thought I could do it in my home and my family. And he said, I found out I couldn't. And he fell. Friend, you know what you should fear? Coming to the place that you think you can do it without God. Coming to the place where you're no longer reliant on God. Where you go about your life as if you didn't need him. Friend, as much as you needed him for salvation, you need him to lead the Christian life. You don't get saved by him and live without him. He said, I want to know him more. I think of how we begin to live if we're not careful without the word daily in our life, without prayer daily in our life, without a dependence upon the Lord daily in our life, and we go through the motions thinking we've got it down, I know it needs to be done, and friend, you're doing it without a reliance in God. And that is a dangerous place to be. It is where God's people fall. David stayed home from battle, and you know what he did? He fell. He fell. I will tell you this. Paul was saying here that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Are you still looking for more of him? Can I ask you Sunday school teachers today? You don't raise your hand, but before you walked into your class, did you spend some time in prayer this morning? 
God, help me as I teach my lesson to these people. Christian, did you spend some time in prayer? Mom and dad, Lord, I need you today as I parent these children. I need you today as I'm the spouse that I should be, the Christian I should be. I'm not, I only need to know more of you today as I go to church or more about you, but I need to know more of you at work in my life. It's pretty amazing. This man who had seen God do so much in his life didn't think he could do it on his own. He said, "Mora, I need to know more about him, and I need more of him. More about Jesus. More, more about him, more of him, more for him. Look at what he says here, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings the partnership that he desired to have with his Lord. Paul's writing back to that church at Philippi, and you know how the church at Philippi began. For Paul, it began in a prison cell. He was there preaching there in Philippi, and the lady would come to know Christ as her Savior. The, she would no longer be a soothsayer. Those men would lose their, their gain from this lady, what they were getting from her. and So they would stir up the crowd, and they would have Paul and Silas thrown into jail. Paul and Silas were serving God faithfully, and now they were experiencing the suffering and a fellowship with the suffering as they found themselves beaten in jail at midnight, and they began to sing. I think what was on his mind was what he would write back to them. Not only that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, but the fellowship of his sufferings. And forgive me for a moment, but I'm going to ask Paul and Silas when I get to heaven what they were saying. But I think it might have been something along the lines of, we get just a little bit today of what Jesus went through at Calvary. We served him faithfully. We preached his word. We did his work. He used us, and now we're suffering a little bit. We're striving together as he would write with the face of the gospel in, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, and he goes, we get to know just a little bit of what he has done. They were serving their Lord. He would encourage the church, only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The word fellowship doesn't mean what we think often use it as in this passage of scripture. When we think of fellowship, we think of food and fun, don't we? We think of going out, what's going to happen on homecoming, and we have our services, and we go and eat on the, and have dinner on the grounds, and that's a wonderful time. But that's what we think of fellowship in. But that's not what he's referring to when he's talking about fellowship here. He's talking about partnership. He's talking about being in a yoke together, about going in the same direction with the same purpose and entering into a partnership serving God with their life. Partnership. Lord, I'm in partnership with you. Think of what he would say in, in, John, in John 17, 18. He would pray these words for his people. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. John 20, 21, he would say, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Peter would warn in 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of us suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. 
Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. The sad story of what we would think about of that missionary is that he's suffering as a murderer and as a thief. God says, I don't want you to suffer for that. He goes, but if you suffer for me, that is glory. If you're evil spoken of for my name's sake, he would say, blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Some have no need to be worried of being evil spoken of for his name's sake because they aren't in his business at all. And that is sad. To be out of the fellowship with the Lord. To be in with the family of God through salvation, but not serving God with your life. Paul was saying here, I want to know more about him. I want to know more of him. And I want to do more for him. He would say in matter he would say in scripture, and matter of fact, if you read down just a minute in verse 13, he says here in the same chapter, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm going to forget those things which are behind, and I'm going to keep going for the Lord. I want to know more about him. I want to know more of him, and I want to do more for him in my life. And I think the call of every Christian is I should be. I want to know more of him or more about him. I want to know more of his working in my life, and I want to do more for him with my life. Lord, let me do more for you. You have done so much for me. So much for me. Do you ever think what a privilege it is to serve God? I hope I never get to the place where serving God is a burden. Hope not. I've known folks serving God is a burden. Sharing the gospel is something they have to do, not something they get to do. Teaching a class, working a bus route, serving in some place. And don't get me, we all, we all get weary at times. But I hope I never lose such sight of the cross that serving him becomes a burden. I'm going to tell you, if serving God is a burden to you, you've lost sight of Calvary. You've lost the glimpse. Your eyes are in the wrong place. Serving God is an incredible privilege. I'm not talking about there's a time for everybody to get away in a desert place to rest, relax, to spend time with God, and to get back up and keep going for the Lord. But the reality is serving God is not meant to be a burden, but it's meant to be a blessing. And Paul was saying, I want to do more for him. He said, I, I know I've been in prison. I know I've been beaten. And I, and I, and I know I all these have experienced all these things in my life. But can I serve you again tomorrow, Lord? Can I do more for you tomorrow? Can I know more about you? Can I know more of you? May I do more for you? I want to be used to bring another soul to Christ. Picture Paul, I want to be used to bring another soul to Christ. I I want to be used to start another church. I I want to be used to to witness before before Caesar. I I want to be used to encourage the saints of God. I, I want to be used more for Jesus, more for Jesus, more for Jesus, more for Jesus. We're not careful. We're looking for more in the wrong place. More of the world, more of the world, more of the world. More of its leisures, more of its pleasures. More of its material things. And the call of a Christian ought to be more about him, more of him, more for him, 
And lastly, more like him. He would say here, being made conformable unto his death. If you go back a chapter, Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians chapter 2, he would say this, these words in verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man in his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto what? Death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And Paul was saying here, he said, being made conformable unto his death. He said, I want to be like him. The Lord would pray there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Or if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will be done, but what? Thine be done. Lord, I'll lay down everything for you. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. You know the verses Paul would say these things. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, I, I pray that this mind is in you, that you would be conformable unto his death, that you would allow yourself to be used up and used for the Lord, that you would lay your all upon the altar. And for you, it may not be your physical death, but a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, that we might become more and more like our Savior. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, he would say, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And then he would say this, What is that good that he works? He would say in verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, to be conformed to the image of his Son. Do you know what God's goodwill is in every circumstance? That you would become and you and I would become more like him. Right, I, I will tell you this. If, if you go through a circumstance, you say, what is God doing here? I can tell you one of the things that he's trying to do is make you more like him. Make you more like him. That we would become more and more like him. I think of what he would say in 1 John 3, 1 through 2, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a day that will be, amen? What a day it will be when, when whether it's the trumpet sounds or however God takes us out of this world, when we step through the gates of glory and we see our Savior face to face, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This old sinful body drops off, this body with its habits and this worldly things drops away, and I see my Savior face to face, and I am like him. I am like him. 
May of 1995, in the Dairy Baptist Church, I came to know him. And he set me apart and said, you belong to me. He called me out of this world. He changed my life. And there's coming a day when I'll be just like him. But between that day when I came to know him and the day that I see him, he's trying to do something in my life. Make me more like him. In every trial, in every situation, make me more like him. Isn't that the way he originally made us? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. That first glimpse of the Trinity Let us make man in our image. Who is the us and who is the are? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He made us to resemble him and to reflect him with our life. And sin got in the way, didn't it? And death by sin, and it was all corrupted and all fell apart. And so God sent his son into this world to die on the cross and rise again three days later to fix what had been broken by sin. The day that you came to know him as your personal savior, he changed your life. And Paul would say this, being found in him. I'm found in him. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And here's what I want, he said. I want to know more about him. I want to know more of him. I want to do more for him. And I want to be more like him. My heart, more of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. I I tell you what, friend, it does not matter if it's the little three-year-old up here or the oldest of of the saints here tonight. Our hearts cry out to be more about him, more of him, more for him, and more like him. One more step. There's a man, Miss, Miss Amy, your, your brother was here this morning. Help me with your brother's name again. Danny. Danny. He was telling us this morning that he actually lived in here over in Peabody. It used to be Peabody Apartments. Now it's Ashley Station. And he said when he was eight years old or somewhere around there, a bus came through and picked him up and brought him to Grace. And brought him to Grace. He said, I, I didn't get saved here. He said, but it's, the first, but it's when I heard the gospel got my first Bible here, and uh, now he's serving God. And as he was telling me that story, one of our buses rounded the corner and was sitting right there 55-some-odd years ago. Some church picked him up and brought him to church. 55 years later, another bus is running, someone else behind the wheel, someone else running up the doors, someone else bringing into church. Can I say you more of Jesus? Friend, more about him, more of him, more for him, and more like him. May the cry not only of a church, but of a Christian be this. Lord, I want to know more about you. I want more of you. I want to do more for you. And I want to be more like you. I want the world to see when to, to get a glimpse of the Lord in my life because I want more of you. Let us never come to the place where we are, we are satisfied with what Christ has of us. When we are satisfied with what Christ has done in us. When we are satisfied with what God has done for us. If there is one place not to be content, it is with God in your life. We need more about him. We need more of him. We need more for him. And we need to be more like him. 
And Paul is saying, I have been found in him. I have known him. I have served him. He changed my life on that Damascus road. Thank God he confronted me on that road. I was on the way to find some Christian, imprison him, and see him die. But the Son of God showed up and confronted me on that road. And he blinded me on that road. But as sure as he blinded me, he sent some man to pray for me. And that man prayed for me. And the, 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 the shingles fell off my eyes. And all of a sudden I could see. And ever since that moment, it's been more about him, more of him, more for him, and more like him each and every day. Can I tell you something, Christian? It shouldn't be different in our life. It shouldn't be different in our life. Never be satisfied with where you are in Christ. There is more to know about him. He is infinite. You can study him. I don't care if you could live to be 100, 120, or 200. You can study God all your life and still know more about him. I think even when we get to glory, now this is me and you can do with it what you want. I think we'll spend all of eternity knowing more and more about him. More of his wonder, more of his glory. We'll see him, but there will be plenty more to learn. And I think, friend, there is more of him that we should experience in our life. More of him. Lord, I need more of you. I certainly, Lord, desire to do more for you. I am thankful for what you've done already, but Lord, would you keep doing more? Would you keep doing more? And Lord, certainly make me more like you. I'm thankful the way you've changed my life. I'm thankful you when you saved me. You took me as I was, but you didn't leave me as I was. And you've changed me a lot. But, Lord, there is more changing to do. You ever come to one of those realizations in your life? You're confronted with the fact there's more work to be done in this fellow. God, make me more like you, Paul. Forgetting that which is behind Pressing forward. And what did he want? He wanted to know more about him. He wanted more of him. He wanted to do more for him. And he wanted to be more like him. More, more about Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your son who died for us and rose again that we might be saved. Lord, I I pray tonight we would make that determination in our heart to have more of Jesus. Lord, to study your word that we might know you better, that we might grow in the knowledge of God. Lord, to spend time in prayer that we might know more of the power of God at work in our life. Lord, that we might do more for you, that we never grow content with what has been done, but we would strive to put another foot in front of the other, faithfully serving our God. Certainly, Lord, make us more like you. Lord, there's none of us that are where we should be. I'm thankful for it. We're further along than we were yesterday or when you first saved us. But I pray that you would continue to change us and make us more like you. Until that day we see you face to face, we shall be as you are. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you the question first of all is do you know him for salvation? Are you found in him, as Paul would say, being found in him? Was there a day in your life when you came to know him as your Savior? And you could say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm found. I'm not lost. There was a day when Jesus saved me, and I know heaven is my home. I've put my trust in him with my life. Is that your testimony? Would you raise your hand and say, preacher, the Lord is. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here tonight say, preacher, I don't know him. 
You speak about knowing him better, but I don't think I know him at all. Maybe you know about him, but knowing about him is very different than knowing him. You can know someone's name and have never met them. Do you know him? Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I want to know him tonight. I want to put my trust in him. Preacher, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? You say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Thank you. you. May put your hand down. Is there anybody here that say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? I don't know what how the Lord may have spoken to your heart. And maybe it's in this matter of knowing more about him. Are you searching the scriptures to know him better? Maybe it's more of him. Maybe there's a certain circumstance that has right-minded you. Lord, I need you. Maybe it's more for him. Maybe you've grown content. And God has just said, no, don't be content. Maybe it's just a matter of being more like him. Maybe God's put you in a trial, and you recognize that sometimes in those trials, God's trying to make you more like him. But you would say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this evening, the message tonight. Would you stand with me as the pianist begins to play, as God has spoken your heart, and the altar is open, a time of prayer. And why don't you just say, Lord, more of you. Lord, I want to know more of you. I want to know more about you. I want to know more of you at work in my life. I, I want to do more for the Lord. Use me tomorrow. Friend, you'll see some folks that are lost tomorrow. There's never, you don't have to wait till Sunday to serve God. Boy, it's something every Christian serve, should serve God in their local church. But friend, you don't have to wait for Sunday. You can serve him on Monday and share the gospel. You can serve him on Tuesday. Every Christian ought to have a place of serving God in their local church, but you don't have to wait for it to do it. Maybe it's just more like him. Why don't you ask God, Lord, make me more like you this week. Shape me into the image of your son. Let others see Christ in me. But as the pianist plays, as God has spoken in your heart, do business with the Lord tonight. He